I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection.
name. Praise your wonderful name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, everybody. It's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Is it winter time or is it fall? That's what I want to know. Calendar says it's fall out. I left Manila and it was 95 degrees. And uh, in Manila, there's no sense in even taking a shower because you defeat the purpose. So you just go without a shower because you just walk outside and you, you sweat. But anyway, it was a shock coming back to, to this place here. I didn't expect it to be this cold. But uh, it's not a gripe. I, I, I promise you it's not a gripe. I do have a few announcements. And uh, if you don't mind, ushers, please take up the offering. And please give as the Lord has blessed you. has been good to us. Very thankful for His blessings. And uh, I really quick, I've got to make a few announcements. Uh, first and foremost, uh, next week is Thanksgiving. My favorite holiday. And Wednesday night, we will not have service on Wednesday. Uh, so many people go out of town Family comes in, cooking, cooking desserts and stuff, and everybody's just working so hard. So I'm just going to cancel service. And I always feel kind of guilty doing that. So I, I, I've been here 20, 23 years, I think, and we've done this for 23 years, and still I just, it, I, I know it's always been done, but I just always feel doing it, but it's okay. We, we're spending it with family. So just remember, no service, and we'll put it on. Uh, we'll put it on Facebook also again, and, and uh, try to remind everybody. Also, uh, the Thanksgiving drive uh, till Sunday, the 18th. Donate non-perishable food items. Drop off by the uh, in the outreach office. I think we've been keeping that open. That that where uh, Brother Rubel's office is. Uh, if you have any questions, ask Sister Chia. Don't ask Brother Rubel because he won't know. Also, uh, ladies' Christmas breakfast, December 1st, at Crossroads 46 and Spencer, 9.30 a.m. Uh, $10 gift exchange. Sign up on bulletin board. And I think that's all the... the uh, Announcements. Any, is there anything else we need to announce? That's it. Uh, I didn't give Sister Laurie uh, a scripture. Did you get it in my text? You have your Bibles. Uh, since it is almost Thanksgiving, I want to uh, I want to talk about being thankful tonight. I know we some messages seems like an annual subject that we talk about, but, uh, you know, I think that subject of Thanksgiving is something that we do not talk about or practice enough. It's really not, it's, we really don't talk about it enough. 
So I want to talk about it tonight. Ephesians 5 and 20. I could have, I went through and I looked at so many scriptures about being thankful. And there are hundreds, hundreds of scriptures about being thankful. Really hard to pick which one to pick. I could have read a whole lot, but I just chose this from Ephesians 5 and 20. Lost my glasses. The Bible says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always. That word, I pick out really important words in all in these in scriptures, and the one that comes to mind besides giving thanks, which that's two words, but very, very important word in that scripture is always. That's that's really hard to do sometimes. Giving thanks always. Because I can think of a lot of times in my life where I didn't feel like giving thanks. Most of the time, you're not going to feel like giving thanks. And I just want to talk about this. This evening about being thankful. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I went to a place in my mind this this morning when I was studying, and uh, my great my great grandmother had a uh, little sign by her door. Grandma Goldie Aiken, Lady of God. She uh, had a sign by her door. And my dad used to point it out all the time to me. And some of the older people know the little saying, some of the younger people. I don't, I don't see this sign that I'm going to talk about. I see it very much anymore. But anybody remember the sign that says, I used to complain that I had no shoes put on, put on my feet until I met a man who didn't have any feet. I, when I was a kid, I... I thought that was a funny saying, Brother Davis. It didn't make sense to me. I was thinking, I guess the, the part where the guy with no feet, I couldn't process that in my mind. But the older I, I, the older I get, the more I get that saying. Because there's always somebody, always somebody that you know that has it worse than what you have. I mean... I've I've had some hard times in my life. I've had some hard times in my life where I, I found myself complaining, griping. But when I really, really got honest with myself and with God, I realized that I have people that I'm connected with that was going through a lot worse times than what I was going through. I've been depressed in my life over horrible things. Brother Snellenberger, I realized that I have friends that have that has had worse times than me. I, I, I remember growing up, it really hit me one time. Me and my father was having, we, we, we was arguing. I had father and son spat. And uh, I'd had a, a couple buddies that their father had passed away. And I remember at night thinking about, man, my dad, he's an ogre. Probably going to see this on Facebook. Know my true heart, what I was thinking, I... I was, I was frustrated. I was just thinking about how 
angry I was with him and wasn't doing what I wanted him to do. Or he wasn't letting me live my life like I thought I should live it at the time. And I was mad. and I wanted to whip him, which I knew I couldn't. And I had a couple buddies that had lost their parents. And I, I, it hit me one time. I said, well, there, I, it could be a lot worse. I, I, I could not have him around to argue with him. The older I get, the more I realize how, how great I've got it. And we as Americans... We really need to understand we've got it very, very, very good. I, yeah, that, that deserves a clap. If I just come from a, a, pl- a place where they didn't have very much, talked a little bit about that Sunday, and I, I really began to understand it's a really good time to go right before Thanksgiving. I begin to process in my mind. I am very, I don't want to use the word lucky because I don't believe in luck. I believe in being, I'm fortunate, blessed. The more you understand that you're blessed, easier life will get. The more you truly understand that you're blessed, then life will get easier. And I, I, I was reading and I went through and I was, I was just looking and, uh, because we get so intoxicated and so uh, consumed with with life, and and it, we we live in a world where we think because we don't have a more than a couple hundred dollars in a uh, in our bank account that we're having a really bad day, or we didn't get to go to Red Lobster on Saturday or whatever, uh, or to Texas Roadhouse on Sunday. My goodness, that, that'll send us overboard. People just get frustrated. And, and But when you think of what we've got in comparison to what other people have gotten around the world, I started reading these facts. I don't like facts too much. Statistics, people say what they're facts, but these are real-life facts around the world. And I read that nearly one-half of the world's population, more than three billion people, live, hear me, Live on less than two dollars and fifty cents a day. Dollars and fifty cents per day. More than one point three billion live in extreme poverty. Less than a dollar and twenty five day. One dollar and twenty five cents a day. Man, could you imagine? We we frust- we get frustrated because we didn't get a dollar raise. At the end of the year, what happens is we get so used and so accustomed to living one way, and just a little bit of loss can send our world just in in, in chaos, and that can affect us. It, it it it'll affect our faith. It'll affect our attitude. It'll affect our attitude. And it affects our relationship between us and God because we think it's God's fault. We blame Him. It's, it's your fault, God. You love me. You should bless me. Which we don't really understand that He truly does. So, reading a little more. One billion children worldwide are living in poverty. According to UNICEF, 22,000 
children die each day due to poverty, due to hunger. 22,000 children in our world die a day. Blows my mind. 805 million people worldwide do not have enough food to eat. Food banks are especially important in providing food for people that cannot afford it themselves. Run, uh, run a food, uh, they run food drives all over the world simply because if they didn't, more people would die. More than 750 million people lack adequate access. Something that we continually take for granted. Walk up and turn the water fountain on. 750 million people lack adequate access to clean drinking water. My friend, one we took up an offering. He went. He's in India right now. We're having an amazing revival over there. He said those people, those children, when he went over there the last time, he saw those, child, those children drinking out of sewer water. Sewer water. I didn't come to depressionism. I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, let you know how depressed, how depressed, how depressed, I'll depress you before it's over. How you should be optimistic about your life and not depressed about your life. You understand what I'm saying? Look, I'm still having jet lag. I can blame it on that. I haven't slept hardly all week. So, and uh, I, I'm, I'm in trouble tonight. So, People all over the world, 750 million people, lack adequate access to clean drinking water. And uh, in, in 2011, 165 million children under the age of five, their growth was stunted simply due, uh, due to uh, uh, under-eating or chronic malnutrition. Preventable diseases like pneumonia take the lives of 2 billion people here because they can't afford proper treatment. And I, I know I, I, I uh, can gripe about hospital bills that I have to pay. But, but I can pay them, and at least I have access to go to get treatment at a hospital. And there's people all over the world that cannot even find a hospital or get a, a doctor to help them, nurses to help them. And these are old statistics, and they have grown worse but in 2013, 21 million, uh, 21.8 million children under one year age worldwide had not received the uh, recommended doses of vaccine against uh, major diseases. One fourth of all humans live without electricity. Uh, approximately 1.6 billion people, 80% of the world's population on less than $10 a day. Continue, and I, there's a bunch of statistics I could read about that, but we as Christians need to understand something, that if we're ever going to have a better tomorrow for ourselves, we've got to change our attitude about what we've got today. Because I, I, I've literally found myself, I found myself not having the success in my life God has called me to Simply due to one thing, and that's being unthankful to, for things. And I talked about this Sunday morning. There was two kinds of people did not claim the promise, a promise that was given to them by God. Two kinds of people. 
And the first that, that did not claim the promise in the wilderness. The first kind was somebody that was so unthankful for the now that they wanted to go back to Egypt. And then there was those that wanted to go into the future, into Canaan, that they failed to be thankful for the right for the now. And the fact was that both of those people, both of those uh, mentality, died in the wilderness and failed to claim the promises of God in their life simply because they were ungrateful. And the bulk of the, the miracles that happened in, in, in the Old Testament happened in the wilderness. The, we call the valley, the wilderness, the dry times, the times that we don't want to be. We'd rather be somewhere else. We would rather be somewhere better, uh, a better place in the past, or we would be, we hope to something better in the future. And we, they failed to acknowledge shoes growing on their feet. You women probably wouldn't like that thought because you like to go shopping for shoes. They never had to buy them. Their shoes never wore out. Clothes grew on their back. Manna fell from heaven. Hot bread fell from heaven. Like like bread, hot bread. It was hot. Continue. It wasn't that cold, stale junk bread. It was hot bread. It wasn't the stale bread that you get from the uh, from, from that. What's that store they sell? Uh, two or three days old. I mean, if, if, if that's if that's what you got, that's what you got. But they didn't. God every day sent them fresh bread. Quail fell from the sky. Anybody ever have fried quail? I mean, I don't know how he prepared it. But I know it had to be good. God cooked it. Uh, they were guided by day. The cloud by day guided them. Fire by night. He never left them. Never for, And every single day. But they, they always found something to gripe about. That's a problem. Hear me. That is a problem in the church. God brings us out of Egypt, delivers us, delivers us from alcohol, drugs, bondage, all kinds of debauchery and sin, and we come out and we, we should be thankful. We should be the most thankful people on the face of the planet, but we always got to find something. And our children are saved, our children have got, uh, uh, your children got a great pastor. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Yeah, keep it. You you got a, a, a wonderful church to go to. You got a wonderful church family. You got great family. I know you probably got uh, issues. You know, uh, people you don't get along with in your family, but you've got people in your life that love you. So we need to. What we need to work on as a people is is to find the things that we should be thankful for and forget about the things that drag us down. Stop focusing on the stuff. And most of the time in, in, in holidays, what do we do? It's con- it, it, oh, Uncle George is going to be at Thanksgiving. I don't want to be there. I understand. I've got an Uncle George or an Aunt Susie. I better not say her real name. It's going across thing. And i got some aunts that I don't, I, I don't really care to be around. I'm, I'm just going to be. Honest. I'm just honest. But if I focus on that too much, holidays will be very depressing. But I got to think about all the things that 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 I have good. Amen. So when should we be thankful? 
The Bible didn't say, hear me. We've we got to be very careful to understand the Scripture. It didn't say to be thankful for everything. It said, in all things be thankful. You don't have to be thankful for the pain. But you've got to be thankful in it. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not thankful for the, for, the, for the loss and the deaths and all that, but I'm thankful in that because I know where my strength comes from while those things are going on. And so instead of focusing on, uh, on the pain, we've got to, be, we've got to be thankful and focus on the strength when we have those pains and have those times of trouble because Jesus is our strength. It's really quiet right now. I, I know it's 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 not a very popular message to, to preach because we, we want everything to be right. And we, we want we want to praise and be thankful after the deliverance. And that, that that's that's the human mindset is, is to be thankful after. And and we, we see that in the scripture when God brings them out of Egypt. And he saw them through their griping, moaning, complaining. And a whole generation of people had to die in the wilderness, except for two people. Uh, Joshua and Caleb was the only ones that made it. Isn't that something? Everybody else griped, and they died. And the only two people that didn't gripe are the only ones that claimed the promises. I could stop preaching right there. I could preach a whole message on that. The only two men that didn't gripe are the only ones that made it. Altar, musicians. You want to claim your promise? You've got to learn not to gripe. Even when it doesn't look like your, your promise is going to come. Because I knew it, it had to be frustrating, those people's marching around in, in, in the wilderness. And they, they, but they continued to gripe, even though their conditions had changed, their locations had changed, but their mindset still was living in, 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 uh, in Egypt. And that's the way it is in the church a lot of times. God delivers us out of drugs, alcohol, and all of this bondage. And, uh, some of y'all wasn't in that, but just, I just always go back to that. It seems like that's the, the lowest you can go. Broken homes and abuse. God delivers you out of that physically, but a lot of times mentally, you're still living back in Egypt. See, God saves your heart, but He doesn't save your mind. He leaves it to us to save our minds. That's the truth. Through the Scripture, washing our minds through the Scripture. And so, what we've got to do is somehow find the positive and, and, and we, we do that through Scripture. What Scripture do? Scripture illuminates the dark places in our hearts so we can adequately see to clean those things out. And begin, we remove those things. But God sees this, this whole generation. And even after that, it was a generation that came up. And after they walked across the Jordan, claimed their promises, they get to, the, their, they get to their, um, those walls of Jericho. I don't remember the, the, uh, the, the dimensions and how big those walls were, but I know it was like three chariots 
could ride over the top of those walls like three chariots. Imagine that. Three chariots wide. They could ride all around those walls. Those were big walls. And they, they was very they, they didn't look like they would ever come down. There was absolutely no way that no man was going to take them down. But God knew their potential of, of the griping and complaining because their mom and dads were gripers. Those familiar spirits thought he probably thought, you know what? If if they get there and they start griping and it begins, there's absolutely no way that those walls will ever fall down. So you know what he did? I, I think I preached a message one time, and it was kind of a sounded like a cruel title. It was called "Shut Up and Shout." Remember, I preached that. He said, "Shut up," and they had to for seven days. Some people, that would be hard. As the camera so he he knew they was accustomed to, to gripe and complain he said so you know what I, he told him he said you know what you're going to do he said you're going to be silent for seven days I don't want you to say anything because he knew the potential if they started talking they started griping they would talk themselves out of the blessings of God and sometimes if you don't have anything good to say, like Grandma always said, Mom always said, don't say anything. Because he, the, the, human, the human side of us always wants to, us to talk ourselves out of a blessing. I'll, I'll prove it. They didn't have enough faith to go across the Jordan. But they had enough faith. They said, let's go back into Egypt. You know what God would have had to do to let them back into Egypt? He would have had to part their Red Sea. So therefore, they had enough faith to talk themselves back across the Red Sea on dry ground, but they didn't have enough faith that God could part their Jordan. And God, I, 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 I believe that if they would have stepped up there, God would have probably let them right back in into, the, into Egypt, probably would have swallowed them up like he did the Egyptian army. But they had enough faith to go back, but they didn't have enough faith to go forward. Let me tell you, negative faith is just as powerful as positive faith. You can talk yourself out of more blessings. And I wonder, I wonder in my life how many blessings that I've talked myself out of. God was getting ready to give me victory, but I opened my stinking mouth and I began to speak negative stuff. And when you start speaking stuff, when you start speaking negative stuff, don't you think that negative stuff won't start, start happening to you? What, who was it that said, forgive me, not knowing, but was it, was it Job that said, the thing I fear the most has come upon me? Somewhere in his life, he, began, he spoke that. Think about that. He feared it the most. He obsessed over it. I mean, somewhere in Job's life, he feared losing his stuff and feared losing his house and feared losing his children. And he said, the thing I feared the most has come upon me. He must have spoke that into existence. He must, he, somewhere in his, so you've got to be careful what you speak. 
And you, you may as well speak positive. And the hardest thing to do is to speak the positive things when, when the positive things aren't happening. I, I think I heard you say it, Sister Viola, a few, few weeks on Facebook. Sometimes you've got to fake it until you make it. And, and you do. We all have to. We just got to walk by faith. And, and, and even though things are falling apart in our life, know that God has us going or allows us to go through those things. And it has to be not because He's, he's some mad God up there wanting us to see us fall apart. He's got, to let it, he, he's got to let us go through things for our own good. And the only thing that I can think of is the reason is it only makes us stronger. And it gives us confidence. The only reason that I can stand with boldness and preach today is some of the junk that I've had to walk through and overcome. And if I wouldn't have had to go through those things and had victory in my life, there's absolutely no way that I could stand at a podium or give a Bible study or be a witness to say, God did this. But what good, I mean, what good would, would life be without the, the, the battles and the, and the hardships that we had to go through? Those are testimonies that we've had to go through. If it wasn't for the bear and the lion, David would have never been able to face Goliath. It was the testimony, the pain that catapulted him onto that battlefield the day that Saul wouldn't fight and get all the other guys. They wouldn't fight him, but David said, you know what, I know I can do it because I, I killed a bear and a lion. Same goes for Daniel. Many times we offer thanksgiving to God only after our prayers have been answered. You look at Daniel, Daniel 6 and 10 says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was, had been signed, he went about being destroyed. Remember the decree? If you pray to any other God, you're going to be thrown in a lion's den. You're going to die. The Bible went on to say that he went into his house and the windows being open in his chambers toward Jerusalem. He nailed upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he, as he did aforetime. He was, he was threatened. He goes into his house, opens his windows, and he says, you know what, I'm just going to thank God. That's what he did first. He gave thanks. Daniel went home to pray and he gave thanks to God. That was his custom. In the midst of his trouble, even when no answers were in sight, Daniel still gave thanks and prayer to God. Many of us want to give thanks after the deliverance. We want, we, we want to wait till the evidence of our prayers are answered before we ever give thanks. One, one thing that I, I noticed, you, you, you all probably think that I'm, the way I talk about my parents, that I know they're not perfect. They're, they're my heroes. One thing I can say about my father, my mother, is I'm telling you that the evidence and the odds that were stacked against them seemed there's no way that they was going to win this battle, this last battle they fought. It was just horrible. It was, it was as if God orchestrated everything 
And visually, it looked like that they were going to fail. And I'm just going to be honest with you. It wasn't personally happening to me, but that was my mom and dad. And it was actually, to me, a little bit worse because I would have rather had that happen to me. Like, don't you mess with my mom and dad, you know. I would have rather taken it. But I sat back and I questioned. I, I kept, I came up here came up here, and I was talking big in faith, like, oh, God's going to deliver. But I'd go home and go, man, it's over. The judge is being paid off. There's no way this is going to happen. I mean, all the, it was absolutely horrible. And every time my father opened his mouth, I'm telling you, not one time, not one time did Dad go, wow, the devil's really winning. Dad said, God's, God's making a way. It does, he kept saying, it doesn't matter how it looks, son. It doesn't matter. Every time we would walk out of the court and the judge would say something horrible, something bad. Matter of fact, the, the last time that I was in court, the judge gets mad. And he said, you know what? I don't even think that church has a pastor. And I don't even think that they even have a case. So I'm gonna, I think I'm going to make the decision. And basically he was pointing to, to throw my mom and dad out of there because some lion devil was trying to destroy their life. And the judge, he opens his mouth like he's going to crucify my parents. And we walked out of there, and the first thing my dad said when he got out of the car, he said, you know what, God's already won this battle. We just haven't seen the evidence of it. And I'm sitting in the front seat. Mom's in the back seat. And I'm my that vein in my forehead. Busted out, and that old Adam came back, and I was having all these mean thoughts. You know, the old, you know, I don't know why I always get all honest. I probably shouldn't pay all this, but I'm I'm no different than all y'all. And I was having doubts, and I was I was ticked off. And the whole time, my dad said, "You know what? The battle's already been won. Don't get mad, son. It's okay. Don't get mad." I said, "Dad." Nobody messes with my parents. He said, it's okay. God's already fought this battle, won this battle. Don't you worry about it. He said, it just appears to be that we've lost. He kept saying that. He said, we just got to thank God in the middle of it. And that was hard. I drove four hours by myself home. And I, was, I, I, I cried and I wept and I was frustrated. And, and he's right that we should give thanks in the middle of our situation. I'm going to be honest with you. I did not thank God for the pain. But I started thanking God in the pain. In the pain. That's why Paul said that I glory in my infirmities. That seems absurd. That sounds like somebody that has lost their ever-loving mind. The glory in the infirmities. The reason Paul was able to say that was because he understood that in his weakness that God's strength was made perfect. Every trial and every bit of pain that you or I will go through, it's opportunity for a visitation of God. Because let's face it, it wasn't for your pain. If it wasn't for your dire need, how much would you? 
I mean, you, you, you could say, oh, I pray regardless. I, uh, I'm going to tell you, most of the time we go to our knees because we have needs. And we need a visitation of God. And we need God to intervene in our problems. And so uh, Philippians says it, 4 and 6, But in, in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. If you've got a need, the first thing you do is not say, God, I have a need. The first thing you do, Scripture, you follow it in chronological order. He said, he said you, you want to present your request to God? The first thing you need to do is have a spirit of thanksgiving. I just saw, you know, I saw all this in the Philippines in a large scale. The difference between that church, the church, the, the Filipino church as a whole, and the church in the United States is this. It's the, it's the reason they come to church as a whole. Not, I'm not talking about McCormick Street. I'm not here to beat you up or anything. Compare, compare this church to the Philippines. This church is an awesome church. But the church as a whole, I'm talking about Baptist, Presbyterian, all the, all the churches in America. The churches in America are accustomed to come to church to get. You hear people all the time, and I preach it. Oh, you're going to come to get a blessing. You're going to come. God's going to pour out a spirit. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. And we've got a mentality of coming to get. People in the Philippines, honest to goodness, I, 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 in talking with them and hearing them worship, they come to church to give. And it's sad that the people that come to get are the ones that have the most. And the people that come to give are the people that have the least. And it's the people that usually have the least if they come to church with the mentality, I, I come to give. I don't have a lot, but I'm going to give. That's the people that have revival. People have revival. I was at a, I told this Sunday morning, but some of y'all wasn't here. I was at that church and uh, their church. Before we got to that church, the, uh, the pastor, I think there was a sense of, because here I am, I'm an American. I probably got a nice church. I probably, you know, have a decent automobile. I probably have a decent car. And it, it really broke my heart because the Filipino pastor, he says to me, he says, Now, sir, he calls me Sir Hill. So respectful. He said, Sir Hill, he said, I want you to know that across the street from our church, said, and our church is on the fourth floor. He said, on the, the first, second, and third floor is a mortuary. So, wow, you got a lot. <laughs> that's a, that's a, a lot of death around you. He goes, well, he said, on the right and left side of us is mortuaries. He said, and also in the back. <laughs> and I thought, wow, man, I'm going to have to go to this church and I hope they're alive when I get there. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding you. I was thinking that. I, I hope I'm alive, or they're alive when I get there. And I hope I walk out alive. But, I, and, but he says, but we've got a church that's alive. He said, in the midst of all that death, he said, we're thankful that we have a church that's alive. Went in there, and there was like 70, 80 people. I was walking up four flights of stairs and it was hotter than blue blazes. Good Lord, it was hot. 
And I thought, as people probably stayed home, they thought, you know, like people in the United States, if it's too cold or too hot or too this or too that, they stay home. Too tired, they stay home. I got up there and the church was packed. And it was hot. They had air conditioner, but it wasn't working very well. The drums were all beat up. The cymbals were all cracked. And uh, by the way, we got people given to that cause already. We're going we're gonna to buy stuff. Uh, I already set it up. I called Brother Tim Marshall. And we've already got it set up. We're going we're gonna to help that church. And if you want to give a little something to that, I don't care if it's $5 or $10, we're going to buy a, little, a few things here and there, and we're going to send a package over there, and we're going to bless that church. But I got in there, and, and on the sidewall, probably, probably a gap in the side of that church was outside. It wasn't even closed in. From that rock to that, to that piece of wood, it was all closed in. And they had a piece of plastic that was trying to keep the heat, heat from coming in. The air conditioner was struggling to keep that place. And I thought, Lord have mercy, it is stifling here. All these things were going in my head because I'm, I'm used to coming from America thinking the way Americans think would probably it's too hot to really have church. My goodness. I've got videos on my phone. You want to see it. Those people had church. I got up and preached, and I've done the best that I could. At the end, I said, how many need the Holy Ghost? Six people raised their hand. I said, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to repent. I expected at least one. I was like, man, i got to go back and tell all the preachers and the worship team that we had one get the Holy Ghost. I'm excited about it. I, just, I got up there. I said, we're going to repent. And I said, the Lord's going to give somebody the Holy Ghost. Six people had it within about 20 seconds. wasn't... It wasn't because I preached good, because I, I probably didn't do very good, but they worshiped and they gave to, the, gave to the point that God gave back to them in the middle of their circumstance. That, that is why God gives those people revival. God doesn't favor the Ethiopian church and the Filipino church over the American church. Matter of fact, in the physical aspect, we are more blessed. You would think, hear me, you would think that God favored the American church more than He did that church. Look at this place. But it, 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 that's not the case. But the reason they have such an outpouring of the Holy Ghost is because, hear me, simple. They are thankful for the little bit that they have. They were given it. I pre I expect some chuckles on this. I expect some laughs. I, I, I kind of got a kick out of it. But I preached a general conference in Palawan. There were probably three or 400 people there. And it wasn't a big thing, but I, I preached it, and they gave me an offering. You know what it was? Cowboy hat. I thought, well, maybe they're trying to tell me to cover up this old, ugly bald head. Maybe I need it. It was they, they gave it to me 
Oh, they gave me a little bitty, like a seashell necklace with a little thing on it. So they gave me the, the hat, the thing, and I, I thought, and it hit me. They, that's what they had. And when they gave it to me, it was as if they gave me a $1,000 check. And I'm going to be honest with you. Carnally, you'd rather have a $1,000 check. But I walked out of there, and I, that was their heart. They gave me, they gave me a piece of the, themselves, their heart, and they were happy about it. And they weren't embarrassed about it. They weren't too prideful. And I'm sure they probably thought, I, I wish I could give him more. But you could tell what their gifts was a reflection on how thankful they were with what little bit they had. Some of them didn't have enough to eat on, but they gave. And that is why God gave, gives them a revival like they do, because they are givers. Went there, everybody, they opened the door for you. Thankful. I'd, I'd, I'd shake the young lady's hands. And, and this must be something they do for ministry. They grab their, uh, the, the hand. What does that mean? It was just, it was amazing. I, I wasn't used to it. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't grasp it. But the, but the level of respect for ministry and the love that they had. That God gave, somehow gave back to them because they were continually given to people. Whether it was opening the door, the car door, I'd get out. And it wasn't just the church. It was the people. I'd get out and somebody would grab the door and grab my luggage and get it out for me. I'll do it, sir. I'll do it, I'll do it sir. Uh, no payment. No money. I don't want anything. And they would just do it. And it was continually giving. It was because they had the ability to... Be thankful for what they got. And I believe that's why God gives them such a great revival. Because they're thankful. I'm coming to a close. It's like a kid on Christmas. You ever... You you may have kids like this. But I've seen kids do this and it frustrates me. You give a... Here in the United States, most kids get seven or eight, ten gifts. Between mom and dad, grandmas and grandpas, and aunts and uncles. You ever seen a kid? You ever seen a kid that you give them five or six gifts and they open it up, they just tear the paper, they don't even spend time looking at the gift, they don't care. And then they open ten, seven, ten, twelve gifts, and what's the last thing they say? What else? Is that it? You got anything else you want to give me? I don't know about you. But in my mind, I want to go, you know what? Why don't don't you play with the first thing I got you? And it almost makes you say, I don't want to get you anything. And that that, that spirit is in the church. Jesus has poured out out on the church gifts and blessings. And we just unwrap them and throw them aside and ignore them. And we're always looking for more, something else. And God says, you know what, I'm not going to do anything else for you until you're thankful for what I've given you. I think that's, I believe with all my heart, that's the key to apostolic revival. Is when somebody gets healed, we need to glory and be thankful in the right now. Instead of going, when are we going to get more? When's God going to send more revival to us? 
We need to be thankful for the one we baptized. Be excited about it. First Timothy, or excuse me, Second Timothy, that we live in a day. The Bible says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, which leads to being unholy. Unthankfulness. God doesn't just want our lives, uh, want us to be thankful in our lives for blessings, but He wants us to be thankful through the pain, through the things in our life. When, when, when things don't seem to be good, we need to be thankful in those things, in those times, and God will, will help us through the battles, help us through the bad times. But until we learn to be thankful, I don't believe that God will give us any more. Romans 1 and 21 says, Because that, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and the foolish heart was darkened. It was very clear from both Second Timothy, Timothy 3 and uh, 2 and Romans 1 and 21 that the easiest way to fall away from God is to become unthankful as a person, as a man or woman of God. If you want God to work in your life, first, attitude that we can give Him. The best thing that we can give Him is a sense of, of thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving, coming up next week, be really easy to focus on the things that you've either lost the past year or the things you've done without. and Focus on those things. That's why, people, why, is, why is there more depressed people during the holiday season? Somebody, anybody got any idea why? And they don't take the time to count their blessings. It's a, they continue to focus on things that they've either lost or things that they've never gotten, and they, or they things they've wished upon. Right. And so people become depressed. There's more suicides this time of year people that die of accidental overdoses because they're depressed because they're not thankful. They're not thankful. When we, continue, when, when we learn to be thankful, then God can pour out blessings and God can further uh, us in His kingdom. And I want to learn to be more thankful. Because as Americans, it's real easy to not be thankful. It's very easy not to be thankful. Let's stand. Thanksgiving's coming up. And we ought to make it the best thing. The spirit of, un, of, of, of being unthankful, it's felt, it's felt uh, to those that are around us. If we're unthankful, our kids are going to be unthankful. They feel it. They feel it. You create an environment. If you, if you show... If you show your children that you're thankful for the little things, they'll learn to be thankful for the little things. America produces spoiled brats because parents don't teach their children to be thankful. And I'm thankful for everything I've got. I've got so much to be thankful for. Uh, it, it, I've said it before, but, it's, it, it, but when, it, when I lose things, or when I don't get things that I want, 
hard to keep it. I've said it. If God doesn't give me another thing this day forward, everything He's done for me in the past is enough. We say that. Anybody ever say that or think that? God's already blessed me enough to, uh, in my past to keep me joyful. Hogwash. We, I'm glad I'm not the only one that's honest. But we want... we. we when we learn to base our thanksgiving by just just having Him in our lives, then our expect if we don't get stuff in our life, then we're not let down. The Bible says that we are complete in Him. I don't need anything else. If you got Jesus, you've got everything. And stuff won't mean anything to you. Amen? Lord, we thank You for this. We thank You for what You have given us. Lord, I pray that You would help us as a church to be thankful through all things, in all things. Lord, I pray that you would help help our church to, to be thankful for the things we've got and the things that you're going to give us. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Help us to bird that spirit through our children also in this last day. We thank you for the revival that you have sent us. We thank you for what you're going to do for us tomorrow, next day. Give you all the praise in your name. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you. I'm thankful. My dad used to make us write. We'd 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 start complaining. My dad, he he was funny. He'd get he'd get us writing. He'd say, "I want you to write me two pages, things you're thankful for." All four of us kids. Then when Dustin came, it was five of us. We sat a whole day. We couldn't watch anything. We couldn't play games. Couldn't go out and play until we filled out two pages of why we were thankful. Sometimes we need to sit down and write about what we're thankful for. Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.